Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. everyone. Uh, it's another episode of The Three Questions with Andy Richter. I'm Andy Richter. And with me today is a very funny and uh, well-respected and, and well-traveled uh, stand-up comedian who just got back from the neck doctor. Uh, it's Sam Morrill. <laughs> Hi, Sam. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm more traveled than I am respected for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say something at the top. I mean, sure, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was another I was, white stand-up guy. Oh, geez, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we can go down that road too. We could, <laughs> we could, we could send this to Breitbart. Who right, knows? right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. Um, it's I, good I'm to sorry. see you. It's good I, to did see I you. did I divulge too much about the neck doctor? Is that no, is that okay? no. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I, I'm I mean, I'm a I'm a New York Jew. I complain nonstop. I feel like yeah, that's yeah. like that's like part of our culture is just to to complain. It's, right. It's, my mom will do like uh, she will do like complain tai chi with me. <laughs> Where like she'll take my negative energy and spin it into hers. Yeah, yeah. And she'll, it's like it's like hijacking my whining. My mom is a whiner too. We're yeah, whiner. yeah. I come from a long line of complainers. I don't think the actual complaining or bitching about stuff. I don't think that Jewish people own that. They no. just have their own brand of it because For sure. we certainly as Midwesterners have our own version of just talking shit about everybody, you know, but it's usually behind their back, you know, everything, <laughs> yes. you know, it's, it's, it's very sort of <laughs> passive aggressive. You keep this kind of, you know, humble exterior, but really it's like, fuck that guy, you know, for sure. No, you guys definitely have, a, it's more subtle, but New Yorkers, we don't, it's definitely not just Jews. You're right. We have our own, we have like that. We're like the Dr. Pepper of whiners, but like, <laughs> but other, other, I mean, every complaint, I mean, I think that's like why a show like Seinfeld resonated with literally everybody. Yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, we all complain. Right. We right, all, right. Cause that's like, I'm not drained by whiners Usually there's certain types of whiners that take your life force, but then yes. there's, there's other types of whiners that energize you. Yes. They'll, they'll oh, complain and they're like, don't even get me started. And you're like, I'm, this is like coffee to me. I'm, I'm absolutely I'm up. I, Dave Foley from kids in the hall. The, the first time I met him a million years ago, uh, he bad three other kids in the hall, like within five minutes of meeting him. And I knew we were in love. <laughs> I was just like, all right, this guy likes to bitch. Let's get well, it on. There's, yeah. there's nothing worse than, than you trying to, cause it's a form of bonding. When you try to complain to someone and they go, no, nah, he's an all right guy. You're like, oh, we'll never be close. You just, you, you blue ball, you blue ball my complaint. Right. How dare exactly. You? Exactly. And there's so many times. And then I have friends in my life too, who will shit talk, everybody and then you'll get to one spot and they'll be like i don't know that guy's had it pretty rough and i'm like oh fuck <laughs> you man you're either all in or all out on this shit talking people well here's how you're supposed to do it you shit on someone for 25 minutes and then you go good guy though that's yeah, how yeah, that's yeah. the classic yeah, yeah. shit on right somebody. exactly so you know there's be no like, hard feelings yeah i i you know i never walked into shoes so i don't know maybe you know <laughs> he's a product of something oh. it's it's you know you, we all uh we all are, are are struggling we're all on yeah. our own journey oh yeah um but yeah it's good to see you uh you too. You, you, how many times are on you on the conan show it's I would think it was six. Yeah, yeah, because it was it was a fair amount. I know I said your name a few times. Yeah, no, um, it was uh, it was the most fun show to do by a ton. That was always uh, that was a common comment, and it was one of the things that made me feel really proud of that show um, because it was a very comfortable and warm place. Especially, and it wasn't perfect. I mean, you know, it was it was fucked up, and there was dysfunction. But compared to some of these other shows, 
where you go in and it's like when you were a kid and you went into like a a kid's another kid's house and there was obviously a lot of problems you know like just like having having dinner at someone else's house and realizing like oh this place is tense you know like wow there's yes. some issues going on here and that's you know like letterman i don't did you ever do letterman i never did letterman and it's it meant more to me to be on conan always oh like, that's I nice was a, i was a child of of I, I hear so many comics be like, I grew up on Letterman. I grew up on Conan O'Brien show because, yeah. uh, you know, my brother was a huge Conan fan, my older brother. And we're not blood related. He's my step sibling, but, you know, uh -huh. we're, we're close. And he has reddish hair, so he would get the Conan. So I think he felt close to Conan but just by being a redhead. <laughs> right, right, right. And, uh, by and genetic. My my a genetic anomaly, an For actual sure. mutation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, I, Conan was my favorite show always. Uh, like for late night by a mile. It just oh, it was the one that it was the one that I connected with. I loved your rapport with him. I mean, uh, it felt real. It didn't feel like so. So many times on shows, they're like, "We're going to pair you with this person," and it felt like a real friendship. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it was pretty. I mean, we got to get you know, like we got together just because of. You know, I submitted a packet and I had to kind of get the job, but but then it definitely did develop where over months before we did the show of just like him and I coming to, up with like just this act of two idiots, you know. Um, it's classic. I remember an episode. I remember being a kid watching. I think all three of you, you Conan and Stone Cold Steve Austin, all chug beers. Yes, and I was like, oh, yes. this is incredible that you could just <laughs> you could just be. You can kind of connect to anybody, you guys. And that's kind of yeah. what I liked. That's kind of like, I mean, I felt like Jon Stewart did that too, but I, where he could kind of connect to any type of person on the show, which I liked. But uh, I mean, that's what late night, that's the late night I grew up on. I love that Conan didn't kind of pan, he never pandered with his monologue, yeah. which I yeah, thought yeah. is important for, I mean, I, we knew who he was and so we knew where he stood, but I do feel like some late night hosts lose their way and kind of become more about a, a political ideology than the joke and 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 the, and being funny and escapist i thought separated conan's show well that and that was a that was a fairly you know that was in terms of uh, that was a new thing that was sure. like we started and there wasn't that kind of super you know like those shows that are really you know, up front being like, this is, we're going to talk about politics mostly. Right. Uh, and, and there just wasn't that. So, and we never, I mean, I'm not interested in, in doing that. You know, I, I'll, I talk about politics on Twitter and, you know, occasionally on Instagram, but like, I don't think they're funny. Like, I don't, sure. I just don't, I don't have a lot of jokes. Like Trump wasn't funny. Like it was fucking scary, you know? And it also just became the same joke. That was the yeah. other problem is like, it's like everyone's making the same joke and it's kind of like, it's tough to make jokes with Trump because even if you hate him, he is a funny character already. It's hard to uh, spin it. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard when the premise starts over here. Yeah, to, to bring the punchline like all the way over. He, you're like, if it's, he was, it's a, yeah, if he was a character in something, I would think like, holy shit, that guy's fucking hilarious. But you know, it's but like, even but you saw that new Netflix show, right, with the James Comey show with uh, Jeff Daniels. I have, and, no, I have not seen well, that. Okay, James Comey's played by Jeff Daniels and Brendan Gleeson, who I think is an incredible actor, is yeah, playing yeah. Trump. And I see the trailer, I'm like, that's a good Trump. I never want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. He's a great actor. I love both of them, but I this is a show I will never even if yeah. the, even if it's great. It got to a point where like you kind of have to give things a minute. I feel like with Vietnam movies like I know a lot <laughs> of them came right but like at least Platoon came out in like the mid 80s. Right, you know, I know like right, right. some of these movies but like when 9/11 movies were coming out like two years after nine eleven, I was kind of like, "Can we? Can we give this a second? Yeah. Can we? Can we find all the bodies before right, we're right, making right. movies about? Yeah, so, before we're, we're making cash on it, you know, <laughs> turning it into content. It's tough. That for the, for me, it's like I like having. It's tough to not. Yeah, I, I mean, there's. I even think about like the Brian Laundry stuff, and you know some. You know, some Netflix exec is like already like, yeah, we're, we got a we got a documentary in the works about yeah. about this. We already mic'd up Dog, the bounty yeah. hunter. It's gonna be, you know. So I don't know. I'm just kind of like it, it, it's 
I do like a little distance and I, and I like that with Conan show, it was always, uh, you guys always kept it very like pure funny. I think that's well, silly. We, yeah, we yeah. tried to, Conan even told me once, he said, you know, there, cause we were aware of this kind of difference. And I mean, we had to do topical shit obviously. Cause it's like, it's too much work to do a show like that without, you know, we started out with this idea that we were going to be like more like just pure absurdists, like hybrid of sketch and talk show. And then within a week, we're like, Oh my God, I hope fucking Britney Spears does something weird. So we have something <laughs> to make a joke about because it's just too much. You can't like, yeah. you know, every time ever I've ever heard anyone say that like sort of an ambitious kind of way, like we're going to do a daily show that's just, and there have been a few of them over the years. I'm always like, no, you're not. You're not yeah. going to do a show that's just about whatever. You're going to end up having to do a show about what's happening in the world because that's just, it's too much. It's too much to just come up with like, I mean, you know, people come up with a few absurd ideas, a few good absurd ideas that carries them through their whole lives. You can't do it through, you know, in just a, you know, just a, every single day. It's too and one tempting. thing you were talking yeah, one thing you were talking about that Netflix, and this is something I've been thinking about, and I thought about it specifically with this Brian Laundry thing, is like the people whose job it is when something like that has happens to be like, I need to reach out to these people and get them to sign a contract for their story. Sure. Like imagine the fucking just the the empty soulness of that kind of job. I'm it's always like those kind of jobs, and just like, oh my God, that's just Oh yeah, if you work for like Entertainment Tonight, and you're like, yeah, yeah you just cold. It's like you're you're basically like a Cutco knife salesman, but with a people's ghoul. souls. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah. It's tough, man. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. That's the thing, though. It's like, how do you not make jokes? I remember Craig Ferguson did a thing, which was like really lauded as noble and brave when he was like, I was an addict. I'm not going to make fun of Britney Spears. Yeah. And then literally every other late night show is like, yeah, we are, we have to, we, it's, <laughs> it's in the news every day. I dude. know. So yeah, that remember, was, it was pretty tragic though. It was, it was rough, you know? Oh, it's still tragic. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah. but it's like, how do you not like, it's funny. Sometimes at the end of shows I'm bored. So I'll just, you know, with my materials, so I'll say, scream out any current event and let's find a joke. Let's find something. Right. So people always scream out Britney. They always want to talk about Britney. You know, yeah. there's certain things as tragic as they are. They always want to talk about R. Kelly. Amps. Yeah. They always want to talk about these dark stories. And R. Kelly is one that's like, that's been I mean, remember that Chappelle show sketch? I'm gonna pee on you. That was yeah. like fifth. That was like 15, 17 years ago. Yeah, That's yeah, how long yeah. we've yeah. known this guy was pretty right. bad. Right, right. It's not like Cosby, where most people didn't know till like seven years ago or something, or six years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think people too, though they're yelling that at you because they're not going to yell like the environment. You know, like, <laughs> like they're, they're like they're trying to throw you a curveball of something yeah. that supposedly like. Sad and untouchable. So, but yeah, you know, yeah, give most, us a I nuanced mean, take on climate change. All right, here, here we go. <laughs> you don't. Do, I mean, that's not really your thing, though. I mean, you're no. kind of more observational stuff. Sure. And is that? Sure. Do you? I, I mean, was there a certain point where you started to think, like, in sort of meta terms about your work, and like, this is kind of what I, the kind of comedy I do, or was it more just kind of the organic thinking of things that are that are funny that are going to work? There was honestly never a step back where I was like, here is the type of comedy I do. It was really just like things would pop into my head. I'd be drawn to certain news stories. I'd be drawn to certain behaviors. It was never, it was never, uh, it was never an actual, like a, it was never a moment where I was like, here's a choice I'm making. It was always just like, you're just, I was just pulled. Yeah. Yeah. Now you grew up in New York city, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, you know, there's a lot of comedy there to be seen. Yeah. I mean, were you going to clubs when you were young? I did. I, I remember I went to Caroline's with a fake ID and I saw uh, Patton Oswalt and was yeah. like, oh my God, he was really cool. I, I remember I lingered after the show and tried to talk to him and he was really cool. And, yeah. and now I know him a little bit and he's and he's still really cool. But, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, I remember he said, I said, oh, I don't know what to do. And he was like, do an open mic if you if you want to do this, which I'm sure he got that 900,000 times a year. So the yeah, fact yeah. that he took a second. And then he was like, if you email me, I'll email you back. And he did. And I did. And he did. And uh, yeah, I saw him. I saw Dave Attell, which was insane. I mean, yeah. like, seeing Attell was one of the things where you're like, 
oh, I didn't know comedy could be this. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw Bill Burr. I saw so many good. Uh, I remember I saw Chris Rock. I, so many great comics. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely, I never went to the comedy cellar because I think I always knew I wanted to do this and I was too intimidated to go to the comedy cellar. Because there was a chance that you could get on stage there, you mean, or or no, why? no, no? I think I was just, I it was like the mecca to me. I just thought I oh. knew it was where all the great comics hung out, and I was too intimidated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it. Well, you go there now, though, don't you? I mean, now, oh, I well, we're now there. you're above it. Ugh, <laughs> fuck that place. Now I'm now I'm like annoyed by it. Now I'm like, oh, <laughs> I guess I'll. No, I, it's my favorite place. I love the yeah, comedy yeah. cellar and. uh but when I was like 18, I, yeah, I was too, I was like, this is, I, I just want to, I, I I don't know. There's something about it that made me nervous. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, did you have any, you weren't born in New York City though, were you? I, I, I was, so yeah. Oh, you were? Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, And, but your, your folk, your mom and dad split up kind of early, right? Wasn't it? Well, my mom, uh. And my, I mean, you don't and have my, to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I have joked. About. I did a joke about it on Kona where I say, people ask if my biological father was a good person. I said, if he were, I wouldn't refer to him as my biological father. <laughs> that was a bit I did on Conan. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, yeah. So I don't talk to him. But then my mom uh, married a guy when I was like seven who's my dad, who's a great yeah, dad. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so yeah. He's like the best. He's a he's a great dad. And, and my mom's a great mom. So I'm, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm very lucky. But it's it's tough when you want to do bits about that because it's it's unique and it's funny and I find it funny. But then sometimes you hear a crowd going like, oh, and I you're know, like, no, I it's know. like, I think it's funny. Right, I'm the one right, who should be right. on. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I did a lot of, I actually did, I think my first Conan said I did a couple jokes about it because I was like, yeah. this is like, you always kind of do like the autobiographical stuff early on. Yeah. And then later on, you kind of like, well, here's how I feel about this. Right, yeah. right. You get tired of your own story too. That's the thing I find. You get tired of. You run out of stories too. You're yeah, just like yeah. I, it's like anytime someone's off like a friend, be like, you ever do a bit about this? And you like grab him and you're like, what was it? Tell me because I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. I, this is a story. I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Wait, you? That's uh, what. Oh, and oh, I was sorry. just going to say you grew up in a blended family. Then, right? I mean, with, yeah, my you, my step, I have a stepbrother and a stepsister uh, yeah. from my dad's side. But you know, I, my dad uh, is a lawyer, and he legally adopted me. That was like important. So we went to like a courtroom. Yep. <laughs> and I uh, had this. I did the same thing. I would. Yeah. My, my uh, mom's second husband adopted me and my brother, so that because she was going to have more kids, and she wanted us all to have the same name. And you know, and my dad, my how old dad agreed. Uh, nine, eight, nine, something like that. I was, yeah, yeah I was seven. I remember my last name was uh, Greenberg. So I remember like, you know, uh, practicing to spell morale. I couldn't, it took me a while as a kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. I but. did a weird thing where, you know, I was, I had been Andy Richter and then uh, my mom was getting married to this guy who I, you know, I liked and knew. I mean, as my, you know, I mean, but it still was kind of like, Oh, there's this guy, and oh, I guess we're, she's going to marry him, and now, oh, they're changing my name, and my full name is Paul Andrew Richter, and it was going to change to Paul Andrew Swanson, and mm. I was going to go to a new school for third grade, starting in third grade, and uh, so I guess I was seven. I guess, yeah, I guess it was more like seven or eight, but um, I decided that Andy Swanson didn't sound good. I thought Paul Swanson sounded good. So I even changed my first name. So you I started a new school to be Paul Swanson. You should have committed a crime, man. And it was a whole other identity. <laughs> well, th the problem is, is that two years later, <laughs> my mom and stepdad moved into my, my grandfather died and they moved into their house. So I went back to my original hometown went to school and I'm like, I'm Paul Swanson. These kids are like, no, you're not. You're Andy. We remember you. We, you know, we went to kindergarten through second grade with you. It's Andy. I was like, all right, fuck. Because I was always Andy at home. Yeah, but it was so funny. obvious to me, in retrospect that I was like trying to just like maintain a, a slight bit of control over all this shit. Like you're going to change my name. Well, I'm going to change my name too. Look, I'm doing yeah. it. Like I have some agency in this because yeah. it can be, I mean, childhood to me, looking back on it, so much of it is just like feeling like you got no control. Everybody mm. in the world can fuck with you. Like every adult can tell you what to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and then now I feel like I have too much control. Now I'm like, I need someone to tell me what to do. This is like, because <laughs> if I don't, then I just say yes to every gig. I, I mean, I haven't taken a weekend off since April. I just kind of can't say no to work. I, is I that just, because of 
COVID, you think, or is that just general sort of? I always like doing the road and because uh, I could just get more work done. But yeah, I, I'm sure <laughs> once once they said clubs were doing not half capacity or 30 percent capacity, I was kind of like book out my whole year. I don't yeah, want to. Yeah, I don't want to not be. I mean, COVID was terrible. That was. Yeah, that was a crazy. What? When you say on the road you get work done, do you mean you you get stage time and get paid for it, or do you mean you get jokes written or something? Both. Okay. Because really, what is know, it about being on the road that helps you write? Is it are you writing on your feet while you're while you're doing yeah. a set? Or yeah, yeah. Because um, when I'm in New York, I'll do 15 minute sets, you know. But yeah, you don't really do longer sets when you're home. But right. then when you're you know, Sam, I'm going to Springfield, Missouri this weekend. I'm, they're going to let me do six hours if I want. There's nothing else to do in that damn town. No, so they'll, they'll, you'll do like, uh, you'll do like, an, I'll do an hour at least on those shows. Yeah. I feel like if I do less than an hour, I'm kind of cheating myself. Yeah. I'm, cheat, I'm, I'm like, cause I'm like, I, this is time I should be working up here. So, right, right. Life is a highway, and on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Is an hour easy to do at this point? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I used to do the clubs, and it, now it's more people coming out for me. But when I did the clubs early on, they'd be free, free tickets. So they had no investment in the, in the show. Yeah, so they're sure. just on their, they're, they're on their phone. They're kind of spacing out. And you're just up there like, I worked hard on these. And they're just like, we, but they're not good. You're right, there, right, right. Yeah. You know, it's like comedy. It's weird that you like work hard honing these jokes and you're just telling them next to like a Dave and Buster's yeah, in like yeah. a strip mall. It's just, it's a weird thing, right? right? It's like, I mean, it keeps it from being unpretentious, right? Because yeah. you can't really be like, I'm better than this. And like, really, you're, we just, we, we walked in with a Cinnabon. You're not better than us. And you're like, that's true. You know? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It keeps you humble. Yeah. What helped you power through like the early, you know, because I've, I've kind of dabbled in stand up just because. I've been around for long enough and there've been things where they said, go out there <laughs> and I, you know, I'd stand there for 10 minutes, but I do not consider myself one. And I, and I still like, I've been hosting a, a, a show here locally that I'm going to try and kind of just basically like a showcase kind of thing that I'm going to try and make something of, but it involves me sort of emceeing, you know, and sort of like doing 10 minutes at the top, which I, you know, I'm used to, I'm used to doing shows where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go do this show and it'll be about an hour and a half. And I, but I don't, I have nothing prepared. I'll just go out there and fuck around and react to someone else. But when I'm out there by myself, there's no one to react to. I got to come with stuff. You could talk to the crowd though. I mean, I bet you'd be good at that. Yeah. I mean, there, I, 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 that was something that occurred because this last one like went a little too long and I was kind of like, maybe I should just, cause I mean, I used to do early in the Conan years, I, I made I would make side money by doing college dates that were basically like, you know, fan things. You know, I would show bits from the show, outtakes from the show, talk about the show. And then but mostly it just became Q&A because that was like the most fun for everybody. But didn't you find that certain lines they would keep asking and you'd have a like a planned bit for kind of? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, that, you know. Will you ever win a staring contest? You know, it's like that people and everybody thinks. You know, everybody thinks they're David Sedaris has this great part in the story where he talks about being in one of those kind of 
you know, like uh, taxidermy stores that has like bones and shit. And there's yeah. a big dish of glass eyes. And there's a sign that says, do not hold the glass eyes up to your eyes. There are sharp edges on the back and you may hurt yourself. And he said he was just about to do it. He was just about to put those glass eyes up to his eyes and think like, ha look how funny I am. And literally everyone does that to the point yeah. where they have to warn them against it. And it's that, you know, everyone thinks they're, they have this clever question and it's like, oh, you know, and I mean, it's, it's hard to, uh, you know, you feel like a dick because you feel your soul die when you've been asked the same thing a thousand times. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it feels and like you're, you're reading from a script and yeah, like we, we get yeah. so I think we get so bored easily. Like I think so many comics have drinking problems because a the one it's just right there every night you're working yeah, at a yeah, bar. Yeah. But then also you see some of them are just they get bored. I think yeah. comedians are easily bored and when you're telling the same jokes, like you got, that's another reason you got to do new material or you'll yeah. just become a drunk. Because I can't, just, yeah, I can't imagine the people that like the real, you know, like old salts that kind of are doing the same thing they've been doing forever that works, but you know. But it's, yeah. but it's, but where's the fun in that? Yeah, you know? like, yeah, yeah. I mean, part of the fun of comedy is that you could fall on your face. That's kind of, it's kind of exciting that this could go horribly. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right. Well, but that's what, but it, back to the question. I mean, what helped you? Because you obviously got up there and it was rough in the beginning. Yeah. It just has to be. I mean, you, you know, you have a community of friends. I think like I, a lot of my friends who I'm still friends with now, you know, they're doing great. Uh, you kind of gravitate toward people that are, that you think are funny and that, that I found were, were pretty driven. And I, I like mm -hmm. being around that energy of, people that really treated this like a job and yeah you know i have all these friends and 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 it's cool so many of them were have been on conan too which is so cool oh really uh, yeah mark norman joe mackey uh, uh -huh. you know so many of those new york uh comics joe list uh rachel feinstein i mean mm -hmm. so many new york comics uh who uh are just they're great comics and we, and we just formed a support structure for each other that yeah at the open mics, I needed like a buddy. I needed someone to go with. I said, right. you, you make friends with them. Cause at least if you go with one person, you know, one guy's listening. Yeah. You know, cause those, I remember one of my best friends to this day is a comic who's actually done Conan too, Gary Veter. Uh, uh -huh. Great joke writer. We do the road together a lot. And, and Gary, I remember was at an open mic at a place called Maui Taco and I'd never met him. <laughs> and uh, he's just on stage. He's got great. I noticed he had great jokes. I noticed yeah. that like, even then I was like, these are really clever jokes, but no one's laughing. No one's listening. And I yeah, yeah. to start scribbling on my own notepad. And he just looked at me spacing out during one of his jokes. And during his set, and he goes, this asshole's not paying attention. And <laughs> <laughs> I never met the guy. And I was like, shit, sorry. Like in my head, I'm right, like, sorry. Right. I, so the next night I see him, I produced a show with another comic and Gary was doing a set on it. And Gary looked at me and he goes, I'm sorry. It was, it was open mic shit. And I was like, nah, I get, I totally get it. Right, right, you know, right. I, I, like if you don't snap at those mics every once in a while, you're not yeah. really doing them enough. Right. So, and you got to use you got to use everything, you know. I mean, if somebody if somebody yeah, if somebody falls down, you're not going to ignore it, you know. And that's, if that's somebody's sitting think, there writing in a notebook while you're telling jokes, well, you're well, going to say like, people, "Hey, hey, Poindexter, what are you doing? Your homework?" You know, you should you should snap and like yeah. you know. I I hear people now being I see people posting stuff like you know comedians have a social responsibility to speak out. I'm like, hey, these guys got good telling jokes in bars like these yeah. are not these are not world leaders here right, that you're right, talking about right, these are exactly. these are social misfits and yes. fuck-ups who somehow fell ass backwards into a career these aren't mm -hmm. these, these these aren't politicians you know right. so and you also might not want to know what they what they think <laughs> about current events you know for sure yeah for sure. yeah so you know uh Gary was another one. I mean, you do those mics and yeah, occasionally, I mean, I remember you, you, th the, the bad gigs stick out to you. The ones where people hate you. I mean, I remember I would tell jokes that were like kind of dark. And if those didn't work back then, they didn't just not find me funny. They hated me. I remember yeah, the crowds yeah. would be like, now are you not good at this? I dislike who you right, are. Right, and I'd be yeah. like, well, I just think this is funny. This isn't who I am. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, so you, you have those rough sets. I remember like working the door at this club called Broadway comedy club for a while. And, uh, they throw you on stage sometimes. And uh -huh. I just remember 
I was wearing like ratty, shitty clothing, I'm sure. And that was like the guys heckling me about my clothes. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, I mean, I'm a kid. Like, what do you want? I was like 21, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it got to the point where I was like, dude, shut the fuck up. You're trash. I just start like going after him. And he gets up and I'm like, oh, crap. And he just starts walking toward the stage and I hear, and I'm like, ah, crap. Nails me right in the chest, spits right on me. The The waitresses were like trying to barricade the stage so he wouldn't kick my ass. Yeah, they all, yeah. They all liked me from just working the door and just chatting with me Sure, all the time. sure. So they, but it was all these sassy Latina women who were just like, you're not going to get Sammy. And <laughs> <laughs> nothing, you, you've, I've never felt more emasculated. And of course, the guy is like, you know, had the energy. Like, I was this clearly this guy's done shit like this before. He, he got thrown out with his girlfriend. She didn't even seem phased by it. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, you remember those dates. You remember the, the gigs where you're like, this is humiliating, but mm-hmm. it's like a drug. You think of, you're chasing the highest point where you're like, well, this, it's how about this best time I had? Colin Quinn, I, I, he once said, uh, you get just enough not to quit. And I relate to that so much. Yeah, yeah. Just when you're like, I should quit, you get some bone. Like yeah, some yeah. comedian you like is like, oh, I like that new joke. And you're like, oh, okay, I should do this. Like right, you take, right. when you're desperate, you take anything as a you sign. Just, yeah, that little taste that keeps yeah. you going. Yeah. When At what point did you start thinking you were going to do this? Well, I, I remember. I mean, were you a funny kid? And were you thinking like, I want to perform? You know, I mean. You know, you have those friends who think you're funny, but that doesn't mean you're professional. They're your friends. They already like you. So you kind of have those friends who are like, you really love comedy and you, uh, and you're funny when we hang out, you make funny jokes. But then also you think like, what are jokes with friends? How many of them are like inside jokes? They're like cheat codes to get laughs. They're not real. And then you go on stage. I remember I did a thing at my high school. We had to do community service and then do a report on it. And I, and we had to do it for the whole school when we graduated. So I did my report uh, and I just turned it into a stand-up routine and it killed. Like it really, it, but they all wanted me to be funny. So that's the yeah, thing. That's, yeah, yeah. So like it went really well. And I, you know, then was like, I should do open mics. And holy shit that I bomb. Like it was like, yeah. it was like earth shattering. We were like, wow, I'm not that good at this. It was one right. of those things. And then I did a show at the comic strip. Uh, like a show where all my friends came out and I, I did really well, but even then I was like, I'm not that good. I, I knew I wasn't that good. I mean, mm-hmm. you think, and I thought I was better than I was, but now looking back, I'm like, man, I was pretty, I knew how to write jokes, but they were just not very good jokes. So yeah. your my friends were like, oh my God, this is amazing. But then I remember I bombed a, a Friars Club roast. I was 21 and I auditioned to do a Friars Club roast. And I was, you know, I was flyering uh, on the street, handing out flyers you know, sometimes for money, sometimes for stage time. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I got addicted to it because at the open mics, I would be bombing for my, for like my peers who, as I said, half the time aren't paying attention, kind of mm-hmm. form clicks. And I, I didn't, you know, I had friends there, but I didn't like the vibe. Uh, so yeah. I started handing out flyers and I would do, I, you flyer for a couple hours and then they throw you on for real people. So I was like, this is what I want to be good. So many comics, were, there was like the club scene and the alt scene in New York. And I was so much more attracted to clubs because you got money. So I was kind of like, well, this is like, this is leading to a career to right, me. Right, so right. Uh, I remember I do those and they would get better and better. And I, then I started doing, so the so Friars Club roast, by the way. I auditioned and I killed. It was one of the things where I was like, oh, this is, I'm fucking, I, I might be like a roasty comic maybe, who knows? <laughs> and it went really well. And then I, the prize was you get to do a roast at the Friars Club. So it was hosted by Paul Mooney, uh, RIP, yeah. the, the legendary and hilarious yes. Paul yes. Mooney. And intimida- I, intimidating, oh, like terrifying even. Yeah. Terrifying. And he really was funny, but he really was phoning this shit in. So yeah. we're roasting Omarosa, uh, from The Apprentice slash Trump's cabinet now. But back then it was The Apprentice. And she's and there. She's there. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, she's yeah. like a very intimidating, she's a beautiful, intimidating woman. And mm-hmm. uh, Rich Voss did a set, all these funny New York comics did sets. I bombed so fucking hard to the point that it was, it was chilling. Like I, but I remember being up there like, I'm doing my whole set. So I, which I thought was like noble, but looking back, I'm like, I just like tortured myself for no, I could have gotten off early and been like, I did like six, seven minutes of bad jokes, bombing. Yeah. 
And Rich Voss, I still remember his first line going on after me. He bombs a line and goes, you fuckers better laugh or I'm bringing Sam back up. And it killed. <laughs> and it was, and, and I remember the video started circulating online. The Friars Club thought it would be funny to like post these videos. And I'm like, guys, this is the first video that comes up for me. And I'm trying to get work as a young comic. It's like 21. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I remember kids I went to high school with. It's like they're like passing it around. Like this guy sucks. Like he thinks he can do comedy, and uh, and then of course those same people now are like, "Hey, do you have any extra tickets?" I'm like, "I remember yeah, what you did." Yeah, and sure, yeah, yeah. who gives a shit? But yeah, right. Because uh, you're just grateful they came around. In all honesty, but uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but you know, yeah, that. Her, but then when I started really working was like I was like 23 and I mm -hmm. I did a, a competition at uh, in Atlanta called the Laughing Skull. I was 23 or 24 and I did um, I was working here or there before that. But then uh, like here or there, you mean working out of town, getting you know like yeah, college bookings kind of things occasionally. But then yeah. I was really in the city. I was actually already working Caroline's in the Strip, the comic okay. strip. Caroline's was good to me early on. They were good to a lot of young comics. Yeah. Uh, and is that a living though, or do you have to kind of augment Well, I was like it tutoring. I was I tutoring see. on the side, but it was like part-time. It wasn't like, yeah, I was making, when I, when it's, I was still tutoring after I won this competition a little bit, but what really was a game changer was um, I did a competition in Atlanta called so i did three competitions that year and they all kind of weirdly changed things for me one was oh, wow. uh because my style was very good for competitions because a lot of them would be like one minute go and you just have to kill in one minute sure. and and i had short jokes so it was like i would quickly kill so i that would sit that would help me a lot and now and you know as you get older it gets really hard to do short sets because you're like what do yeah. i do i don't know but yeah, I did one at Caroline's called March Madness, which was like brack. It was bracket style, uh, like brutal. Like one comic sits in the stool, the other one goes up. I called it Eight Mile for Jews. That was my opener, <laughs> uh, and we'd go against each other. And it was like great comics in this thing. Like so many great like New York City comics. Like Shang Wang was a killer. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Lawrence, uh, Dan Soder. Uh, all these great comics. And I remember, so I did comics was the other club I did theirs. I ended up winning that one. So that oh, wow. was like, that was out of like the 64 comics that get selected. I won that. So that was like, okay, you can work our club. And then the club like lasted another year. It was great. It was great. All those years to get in at a club and they're like, Oh, uh, we're filing bankruptcy. Cause we haven't paid Bobby Sladen or any of the comics who work here. Oh. So that hurt. And I remember I was pleading with them. I was like, please let me open for Greg Giraldo. He's my favorite comic. And they're like, Oh, it's already booked. And I was like, but the prize was you could pick whoever you, so that hurt too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so I won that and that, but that did help for a while. Cause just working the club, getting like, it gave you some, credibility in the scene to get booked around a little yeah. bit got gave me a good tape and then caroline's i made the final two i lost to dan soder who mm -hmm. who was a freaking murderer like mm -hmm. was so he was so tough to beat because we both kill but he went second and he got a huge laugh out of the gate like riffing on me and you're like damn it he's yeah, just yeah. sitting there watching a comic because you're on the stool watching behind them you're like god damn he's funny so yeah yeah it was and cool. also too that that's people eat that up you know like that you know like he's, or he a is, callback people are like yay oh. but know, he like, was but he had great material too soda was just like yeah he just had he he's still one of the funniest people i know and uh it was it was a cool night. We just got hammered together, and uh, he was like, "I won, so I'm buying." And uh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, we and then uh, Norm McDonald was weirdly in the crowd. He was just hanging out, and it was, oh, wow. I remember Norm came up to us afterwards, and we, we were obviously huge fans, and you know we're young comics. And his first line, I remember, he's like, "Man, that's that's terrible. What they make you go through up there? It's like improv. They they take you out back and fuck you in the ass." And we just kind of like looked at each other, like, "Yeah, we just <laughs> we're like it's Norm. Just agree, just right, agree. Right, right. It's Norm. We're talking to Norm." Right. So he, he told us he was so cool. He hung out with us for a long time and, and yeah. just chat with us. And uh, so that was big. And then the one that was really big for like making a career at this was I won a festival in Atlanta called Laughing Skull and. To be honest, I think I did not. I think I had the second best set. I don't think mm. I should have won. To this day, Tom Simmons, I thought, had a better set than I did. Yeah. But uh, it was three rounds. You had to make the top two in every round to keep going. He had to do different material every set. So it weeded out some of the weaker acts. Uh, yeah. 
or who the people that who could who had a little but i mean remember one guy ran out of material in the last round and he was like my husband's dying and everyone's like, oh, and he's like, but he's going to make it, damn it. And they all started applauding. And I was like, this is bullshit. This is yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. unfair that his husband's dying also. Right, but, right. you know, yeah, uh, but but what's got, that got to do with anything? It got, it got ugly. Yeah. yeah. And then um, and then we. And then I, I had a good set, but this one guy, Tom Simmons, who's like a road dog, I thought he, I thought he had a better, he, he crushed and, yeah. and I won. So I, I, it felt good to win, but in my back of my head, I was like, ah, I think he should have won. Uh, yeah. but then the prize was, um, a year worth of road work. So mm -hmm. they were like, we've contacted clubs that are participating. <laughs> so weird. And they were like, we will get you a feature, an opening date or at the, at the A rooms and a and a headlining date in the B and C rooms. And to me, yeah. I was so excited to headline the shitty rooms. I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have an agent or a manager. I would email clubs every, I would do, I would do email subject heading booking and then just Google search them every 10 days and follow up every 10 days to be like, just following up. I'd love to work your club. Uh, yeah. In whatever capacity. And, and I would sell these shitty t-shirts about a joke I had, and that would be extra dough on the road. Yeah. Sometimes I would make more in the shirts than I was getting paid by the club. Yeah. And, wow. um, but it was great because I really, you know, the, the one negative to headlining bad rooms is it gives you a little bit of hack on you. Like I definitely had some road stink on me mm -hmm. where I think, uh, it, it was one of the things where you're like, Oh, you get trapped in these bad rooms. You're not performing for comedy fans. So you kind of start catering to whatever it is it takes to survive. Yeah. So then I, I got lucky and I would open for comedians on the road, you know, people like, you know, Gary Goleman, uh, mm -hmm. who's a great comic would take me out and, uh, who, you know, you just watch that guy. He's such a wordsmith. So yeah. that was helpful. People like Dave Attell who, you know, took me out and was, mm -hmm. I mean, Dave's like a Jedi. So you're just, he would put you in situations that were terrifying, but he knew he was making you better. I think he would just get bored on stage. So he would bring, he would bring you out. Yeah. And just force you to riff with him. And you're like, I feel like a, a nine-year-old trying to play hoops with Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I, felt, right, I right. felt like I had no right to be up here. But what's amazing about Dave is that if you miss a line, he'll save you. It's, it's yeah. really incredible. So he keeps the show great, yeah. no matter how bad you are. And then slowly you find ways to get your laughs. And yeah. And he he knows what he's doing. He's bored up there because he's he's kind of just too smart. Because he's, he's too a machine of, too. He just like yeah. that guy has always just been somebody that you just feel like could stay up there for eight hours and really he like really not could. miss a beat. You know, it's just insane. constantly. You know, did you ever I've talked, that his old show Insomniac? It's incredible. I mean, it's really oh, like it's, it's one of the best worth, things I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, Bourdain's show is kind of like a more urbane version of Insomniac. Yes. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Insomniac's is like this grungy, amazing, like yeah, these, just Dave Attell wanders around late at night. Like that's the concept, and just incredible. you know talks to maniacs. And it was such a good show. Yeah. Dave is maybe my favorite comedian ever. I would say. I mean, he's yeah. I've I've learned so much from that guy. I just love him and. uh I remember one time opening for him, we were driving back from a gig in Terrytown, New York, and uh, he's he murdered. He got a standing ovation. Of course, he's in a terrible mood. We're driving back, and he was like, <laughs> I'm a hack. I fucking stink. He's calling himself a hack. And then I said, Dave, we all think you're the best comic we've ever seen. And he goes, well, I'm funnier than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he was, he was really cool though on the road. He's yeah. really cool to work with. And he was really, uh, he's really supportive and he's a really a good person. Yes, I know. Yeah. I used to, I mean, he, we used to, you know, in the nineties, just when I was living in New York city, we used to be around each other all the time. Um, and he was, you know, and he is like, cause I mean, there's some standups that aren't particularly like they don't play well with others, you know, like there are some that are just like, they're, they're not that friendly, to be honest. And sure. he's always, you know, he's just a prince. He's really a sweet guy. He's always been really cool. So yeah. it's 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 awesome when it works out that yeah. way. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. 
We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Well, what was it about the Atlanta thing? Was it just it just legitimized you in some way that well, you could say it gave, you won it made this deal? Me, it made me working. Like, I knew I wanted to be a road comic because mm-hmm. I knew I just looked at the comics I liked and I was kind of like, how do they get good? And it was because they were always on the road and they were yeah. always uh, getting right. It made it makes you right because you're doing mm-hmm. an hour on the road. You don't want to be doing the same material. You'll go crazy. So you start taking chances and writing. And, you know, if the show dips for two minutes in between an hour, no one's going to notice so long as right. you are strong around those dips. And uh, I'd see what those guys were doing. I was like, what's well, it's the road. And I think this will... Like I can make it, I can make an, I can make a living, not a great living, but you know, I was still doing some like side tutoring stuff, but I, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was definitely, uh, I was working and I, and that felt cool. It felt cool to be like, oh, I'm a working comic. Even yeah. if these gigs suck, it felt cool to be like, uh, but the, I will tell you, you get a shorter fuse when you're dealing with drunks all the time and you're playing mm-hmm. these crump, these crummy rooms where the crowd doesn't respect you and and they don't police the rooms and and people will just like yell out you suck you kind of, you you de- you get it you almost become like you almost kind of turn on people before they should be turned on sometimes mm-hmm. and th- and that's something you have to manage and and I'm spoiled with the rooms I play now I feel like every club is so good now yeah, that I just yeah. I I really don't take it for granted cuz I did I've done the road for a long time now so it's I'm I am really grateful every, for every good crowd yeah yeah and it is like it, it is you're you know you're trying to give your best to people who are at their worst you know sometimes exactly and it just of course like that's you know and also too i mean what do you do about the loneliness of the road i mean did that ever get to you or or did yeah. you did, was there enough camaraderie that you could kind of well you you get a rotation of friends who are also on the road who you call yeah. you get you know i i'm close with my mom my mom will call me a good amount i'm you know I, i'm in a relationship so we we talk a lot and yeah. uh, you know and uh, you have friends it, it definitely I, I kind of don't mind being on my own. Sometimes I feel like I don't get enough alone time. So I kind of like, I kind of like the isolation. I, mm-hmm. I like, I feel like jokes come out of that loneliness. So sometimes when you embrace it instead of fear it, it can be good for your act. Uh-huh. But I definitely, I, I think I just like the road. It's, it's weird. I don't like the travel. I don't like the, the discomfort and, and, but I, I love it's kind of like just you, you hate the gym, but you like the finished product, you know, right, like I, right, right. which I, 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 I get why people are obsessed. You see, you look at like the rock and you're like, Oh, like, yeah, you, maybe you just learn to love the shittiest parts of the gym. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you kind of have to learn to love the, you find the road tolerable. You get yourself a good neck pillow, you get Delta lounge access <laughs> and, you, and you make the most of it. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and that, to, cause to me, I, I mean, my project and I'd be like, what would I do with those other, like, 23 hours in the day you know i mean it, it but but it flies it's riding, by, right really I, really yeah, yeah yeah because think about it you're you're uh you're on the road you're gonna find some breakfast cafe get some coffee that's what like i wake up late sometimes because i'm working yeah late in the night so then you that can take an hour and a half yeah yeah you go for you know the hotel's got a pool maybe i'll swim some laps or something yeah. i don't know that you got you call a friend you go over notes i mean the day's gone i feel like right. there aren't enough hours in the day i feel like it, it <laughs> flies by which is oh, what yeah. lazy people say right exactly exactly <laughs> no but i mean shit that's you know yeah. if you you know productivity is just a feeling it's like you know yeah. i mean because it's what <laughs> okay fine whatever um yeah. And is that is that kind of like what where you want to be? I mean, is where you are now sort of? I mean, do you have any anything like kind of wider than this that you're that you're looking at? I worked on an animated show that I really wanted to make that no one bought, so that was another goal I had. I, I worked on a show with uh, with Dana Gould that we created, and it was like I think he's so funny, so it's so cool to work with him. And uh, no one bought it, but I think I think we'll make it someday. And that's that's another goal. But the truth is, I always kind of wanted to be a road comic because I think you just see with with writing jobs, I was always just scared 
of like, well, I'm, it, I, I'm at the mercy of whether someone will hire me for a show. Yeah, I'm yeah. At, whereas I can kind of control this a little more. Like you talked about control. I mean, stand up is kind of, you're on your own. I mean, there's so many team sports. This is kind of like, you almost, there's like a solo sports, like tennis or golf. You're like, yeah. well, if I fail, it's on me. If I right. do well, it's on me. And I, I kind of like that about it. Yeah, I like yeah. that I have to, uh, yeah, I just, I just liked that I, that I can control a, a good amount of this mm-hmm. and, and how much I work and when I take off and I like Do you that. take, like, do you, th- cause this kind of like, this is like, you know, this is like offshore oil rig work, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, do, does, do like, is there like a house in the suburbs? Is there a family, you know, in your future, do you think? Or Oh, you know? I, suburbs would be really hard for me. I, well, but you know what idea. I mean? But anyway, you know, like a, but a, like a family and, a, you know, and like a house with kids or, you know. I would, yeah, I would like that. Yeah, uh, I would yeah. like to stay in, in the city. But uh, yeah, I think uh, someday, uh, I think it's, you want to, when you do that stuff, you want to, you want to bring the heat. You want to be a good parent. You want to be yeah. a good partner. So, yep, you know, yep. I'm in a relationship and, and who knows what the, what the future holds with that. You know, yep. she's a comic too. She's very busy. Yep. So actually her episode of this podcast is on this week. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 Just, com- she's a great comic and she's a just dropped today and, as they say, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so that's, I mean, that is, yeah, I think it, I don't want to be like, look, you, the things, everything's got to be right. I'm not one of those people right. like, I need, I'd like a kid someday. I think, I think it'd be cool. I think, you know, right, you right. run out of material could be a good source or something. You know? <laughs> right, right. But, uh, <laughs> you can always just, you can always just swipe one out of a park too. If, you know, yeah, if you really get not? desperate for there's, one. Yeah. There should be an app for that right there. Yeah, That's yeah. A, when yeah. I started, people that complain about like having kids, you know, like people's, like they'll be like, oh, you really know, like a, a a comic is done for when they start doing material about their kids. But it's like, listen, these things the they, most relatable thing. Like, they, yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Ray, Ray Romano really blew it. Louis, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Like that was like what popped Louis is talking right, about his right. kids. I mean, so I mean, or Tom yeah. Papa, you know, like he oh, does a Tom's, lot of amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah. But well, it is Tom like, is a great like, example though, because I don't have kids and I'm not married, but I relate. Yeah. To, I love Tom's material so much. Yeah, so yeah, and yeah, and he's pretty much yeah. He does road stuff. Actually, he's his his uh, his kids go to the same school as my kids, so we you know we see each other at school. Shit, so like oh, it's a, a good example of like there's a you know a successful touring comic that you know has got the got that life down. So it is possible, you know, for sure. It's and it's, he's. He's a he's a machine too. He's a guy that like I'll I'll listen to someone like Tom Papa when I can't write because um we're so different. But I I love it's funny people always think you want to listen to people who are just like you and it's the exact opposite. Because I don't yeah. want to I don't want to write I don't want to have one of their jokes pop in my head. But with Tom, mm-hmm. it's like he's talking about marriage and kids. It's just his formula is so jokey. Yeah, and and he's so polished. I love his type of comedy. I really yeah, he, yeah. He's really uh he's a great stand up. Well, he also too, a lot of the stuff, it's, it's observational and the text of it, like somebody else could say the exact same thing and it it would be fine, you know, but like he says it and it's really fucking funny. I mean, it just has that gift. Yeah. He's Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, so beyond that, beyond the, the animated show, I mean, do you have, you know, where do you, like, where do you want to be in 10 years? Do you think, you know, I love, uh, I would love to just be doing this like on a higher level, you know, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I also, you know, I don't know. I love, there's, I have a lot of interests. I love, I used to have a sports show and I, I love interviewing athletes cause I just love, I love basketball so much. I mm-hmm. really am a huge fan of that. But then, you know, I love, I want to write a film noir someday. I love old mm-hmm. school forties noir. I want to write like a, I don't think any of them ever make money, which is maybe part of my draw to it. But I love those old timey, like 40s, 50s, like Otto Preminger, Fritz yeah, Lang yeah. type of noirs. I think they're so cool. Um, I I just, I don't know. I think the animated show, I think, could be something really cool. So I, I hope someday we get to revisit it. But, uh, you know, I think you just, for me, it's like staying busy is is good for me. I like yes, that. Yeah, yeah. What happens when you, when the activity falters? What? I think the comics that hang out too much are like, 
you know, they get caught up in the in the comedy drama a little too much of like mm. this guy got that, and you, and it's like that's poison. I I don't want to yeah, think yeah. about. I, I want to think about my progress and my progress alone, and it's natural to be jealous or to look at other people's lives, but it, it it's unavoidable. When somebody unavoidable, gets something good, the first pang is envy. And then sure. you can feel good. You know, I mean, unless it's somebody that's like you're super, super close to. Sure. But I, I mean, every time that somebody that I know gets something good, there's a bit of me who does fine and has. Should have been know, me the one the Super Bowl. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, I still, yeah. you know, from being on the, it just, it doesn't end because like, you know, I had a job for the last 10, 11 years and a really good job that I, you know, loved and liked the people in it and made a good living. And I still will see like a movie and I'll know like four people in it. And I'm like, how the fuck am I? Why am I not in that fucking movie? Like I couldn't be the security guard. What the fuck? And it's, you know, you have to talk myself down, like, take it easy. You, you know, when are you, you know, you can't go to, but you can, you can put yourself in positions to feel that less, you know, yes, you can, yes. like, and I think, I think, you can kind of check yourself when you feel a conversation. You have like a safe word in your head. You're like, oh, I feel like uh, I'm feel like we're going down a bad road here. Yeah, yeah. It's just for your own mental health and your and your sanity. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you can be more. You can be more sane. Is basically what you're saying for like sure. Can, yeah, yeah. Be better and adjusted. That's that. It's that easy helps. to let your mind wander on these road things. Yeah. It's like there's so much you have to do to be a comic. I feel like I have to put up so many clips of yeah, like yeah. crowd work and topical jokes just to keep people engaged. I we all feel invisible on some level. So you're right. like, well, this will keep people from forgetting about me. Let me put one of these up every two days, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I just try to avoid that. Yeah. That stuff best I can. What do you think, you know, now that you didn't know when you were starting out, like the most important thing that you've learned. That's just harder than you, that you think it'll be. It's just, it's, I think I got into comedy cause like I loved comedy, but I was also a bit of a fuck up. And I, uh, I was like, well, free, free drinks. If anything, I'll get free alcohol at the bar. <laughs> so who cares in my, in my 18 year old brain, I'm like, well, who cares if I don't get health insurance? I get, yeah, I get yeah. free vodka. Right. Um, right. And, so, I, and I'm not even supposed to get that for three years. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so I thought I was getting a deal, but then, uh, yeah, but then I think I, I saw comics who really made a living at this and I saw how hard they worked and how, I mean, you brought up someone like Tom Papa, like Tom is very disciplined and Tom is very, mm -hmm. uh, I feel like he has a great work ethic and you really need to look at, like there are comics uh, who, who, talked about treating their body like a pro athlete because of the road and because of just, that's going to take a natural toll on your body. Just yeah, like, I definitely, yeah. I have neck and back problems just from traveling in airplane and I, and, seats. Yeah. And I'm, I'm at that doctor early. I'm like, I'm, I'm a little young to be here, but uh, yeah, that's just what it is when you travel yeah. all the time. Is it just like neck pain kind of things? I have a herniated disc and a slight tear and it's, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just really painful. Right. Oh, <laughs> it a, feels, uh, let's end on a, on a high note yeah yeah things Physical basically pain. basically it took an hour to get here but uh things are bad andy <laughs> things are really bad <laughs> i'm addicted to pills uh, <laughs> oh boy well sam thank you so much for your time and thanks and, for and having me for man. sharing yeah it was i really it was appreciate good it to see you no problem and um everybody out there i guess you know just uh you you got a website they can see? I have a website and I have a new documentary I'll call Full Capacity that I, I self-produced and self-released on my YouTube channel. And it's about COVID during the, during, uh, and comedy during COVID and how the clubs in New York, particularly the Comedy Cellar reopened. So many great comics are in it. You know, Taylor Tomlinson, David mm -hmm. Tell, Colin Quinn, Ray Romano, uh, Sam Jay, Chris Redd from SNL. So many, so many awesome uh, guest, guest spots. So People, people are going to like it. It's really fun. Oh, good. Well, check that. I'll check that out, too. So Yeah, sweet. Um, well, thank you so much, Sam, and thank all of you out there for listening. And we will be back next week with more of The Three Questions. Bye-bye. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? 
Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.